You want some bacon? Hello and welcome to The Fizzle Show. Too many cool small businesses fail and we are here to discuss what makes the difference between those founders who fizzle out and those who buzz, crackle, and <clears throat> fizzle with creativity and purpose and yet just the sense of like they're enjoying themselves as they do it. Your hosts are Corbett Barr, the, uh, the wise one, Caleb Logic, the deep one, and me, Chase Reeves, the, uh, the squeaky one. You know, there's a big debate in the business world around this concept of a lifestyle business. And I think it's an important question. Is there something deep and true here or is it just a buzzword? This is a very interesting conversation. I think you're going to like it a lot. Complete with uh, Corbett's sort of framework for this. He's, he's deep in this and has not only thought on it, but acted on it better than anyone else I know. Uh, you'll also get some story time uh, a section that I like to call the pejorative Mexican. And I'll just sort of leave it at that, except for maybe qualifying that it's not derogatory in any way. I don't think. And I don't hope. <laughs> and finally, a sneak peek of a, uh, of a fizzle founder story that we did with Jason Glasby of paleoplan.com. Uh, so two things for you to think about during this show. Number one, uh, is your work made of rubber or glass? And number two... What if you were freeing slaves? Just go ahead and fill your cup to the brim with ice and add a couple dashes of those as you listen. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps, so let's get into it. And for me, I mean, this um, this topic for me spans the gamut from lifestyle business, what we're doing right now. Um, and in my prior life, I did a venture capital-backed startup where we, you know, built a prototype and, you know, spent a year. Prior life being how long ago? R- immediately before I took off on sabbatical and started blogging, which was in uh, early 2009. So this was from from early 2006 through the end of 2008, almost three years, I b- built a traditional, like I'm doing air quotes right now, <laughs> traditional uh, Silicon Valley venture capital backed startup. So, you know, when you think of, Instagram and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. Um, that was the model that I was going after. And I think when we talk about startup, that's kind of the model, right? It's like you build some software and then you're making a bet that I need to raise capital in order to make this thing really big and that we're going to worry about revenue later and that eventually we're going to have some sort of exit so that we can all make a lot of money and then go live the lifestyle that we want to live, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Have that's kind of the definition that? of startup. So what would you define a lifestyle business as? Yeah, actually, I'd love to go around Robin on this. Chase, what would you define? I don't I mean, I don't know. That was one of my big questions coming into this. What is a lifestyle business? A lifestyle business is a business run by someone who doesn't want to build a business. A lifestyle <laughs> business is a business run by someone who wants to surf and drink tea. A li- like a hippie. A lifestyle business is a is a business run by someone who's uncomfortable with the concept of business. Uh, lifestyle business is, I don't know, in some ways I'm like, uh, in some ways it feels so buzzwordy to me, I don't really know where, what we mean by it. You know, I, I, yeah. can, I can, what I'm hearing is, is it's, it, it, well, what I know is a lifestyle business is a business that is not a startup 
in the traditional sense of the Silicon Valley, raising a bunch of money, not being profitable from the start, all this other stuff, right? right. Uh, you know, selling away, you know, 10 to 90% of your company for an investment that gets you enough money to do whatever you think you need to do to grow the business. Yeah. And that's important to grow. You need that money to grow the business because you can't do it by yourself, all this other stuff. So maybe lifestyle business is a business where you're a solo entrepreneur or maybe a lifestyle, but I don't think that's an essential part of it. No. Well, clearly, I mean, and I don't know if I would define our business as a lifestyle business in some way. So help me fill in my gaps on my, on my thing. Yeah. And I think, um, there's a school of thought where the term lifestyle business is derogatory. Yeah. Like in, in business school, you know, you're, yeah. you're learning how to either create a big startup or work for a giant, you know, fortune 500 company. And so lifestyle business is sort of a derogatory term like, Oh, they're just messing around. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, you know, for me, um, a lifestyle business is something that just affords the lifestyle that I want to live now as opposed to waiting for some magic exit. You yeah, know, yeah. I don't want to have to wait until I retire to live the lifestyle that I really want to live. Um, it means that I'm not 100% focused on money. I think a lot of businesses, you know, their goal is just to make as much money as possible. Um, our goal is to, you know, have an impact on people and to live a great lifestyle ourselves. And then money is important, but it kind of falls in line with the other stuff. It's yeah. not the overriding principle. Um Caleb, what what do you think? Yeah, I would say mine's similar to that. It's not something that you're building just to scale or to get rich quick. It's more of a, okay, what am I going to be doing for the next decade? Like you keep talking about, Chase. It's like, yeah. what it, I hate to use words like calling or purpose or you know passion and stuff like that. But it's usually tied more towards those things than just this idea to make money. Yeah. Yeah, here's my, okay, I have a quote from, uh, I did a little bit of research. Uh, and I have a quote from David Hanemeyer Hansen. Have you guys ever heard of him? Yep. So um, explain who he is. He is uh, he's the a guy at Thirty Seven Signals. A very smart, bright, you know, sort of dickheadish um, <laughs> engineer guy who who developed Ruby on Rails. Very alpha male. And <laughs> is that is that his official bio? Yeah, it's his official bi- bio. David Hanemeyer Hansen. I fly airplanes. I made I made one company. I I run it really well. I have. I'm well, he sort also of invented dickhead. Ruby on Rails. He I invented mean, Ruby on Rails. It's a big thing. It is, so, like I said, he's he's really bright and he's right. good at this stuff. And I actually really like almost all of his thoughts on it. Um, so here's here's what he says. It's the archetypical false dilemma. Either you a let your business devour your life and you'll be incredibly successful, or b you balance your life with other things than work but are relegated to paying the rent success. And and uh, he's just saying, so what he's saying there is just like, this is a false dichotomy. It's not one or the other. Well, you don't, you're not either a venture-backed fund, uh, or a venture-backed thing, or a lifestyle business. And it, this got me thinking about this question in sort of a new light. So if we take that as rote, that it's not about lifestyle business or being venture, because we're kind of, we're kind of neither of those. In some ways, lifestyle business is, uh, that, it's hard for me to, under, to define because it's like, it's a, li- it, it's a business where you enjoy what you're doing, I guess. You know what I mean? But if you work 40 hours a week and you still enjoy your business, is this a lifestyle business still? You know what I mean? I work more than 40 hours a week right now on, on fizzle and think traffic stuff. But I'd, I, and I, I don't know if I, I certainly wouldn't not call it a lifestyle business. You know what I mean? But what I think the switch is for me is these, is the, uh, is that the the quote unquote lifestyle business is 
a business where kind of like you said, Caleb, it's it's kind of happiness first or it's life life first, founders and employees life first, then then business. And not at all at this at these uh maybe at the expense of profits, but not at the expense of profit. You know what I mean? It's a business that has to make money. Right. You know what I mean? That's but it's kind of like the goal being you work I don't know. For me, the goal is not to work as little as possible. I really want a job. I I work in the same re- for the same reason that someone would sit down at a puzzle and like just end up spending hours there or a video game or you know whatever. Like when was the last time you had to be like ripped away from something? Like this morning, I had to rip my son away from playing Legos. Yeah. Like I had to just literally pull him like no, 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 you leave those there. He's like, "No!" right? Um, because he was so engrossed in it. He was so all in and enthusiastic about what he was doing. That's how I am about business, or really at least about this current project. That's where I want to be. That's the kind of work that I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily call that a lifestyle business. I know that it's not venture backed, but it's a real. I mean, we're building Fizzle for other people. We hope that it really will be successful. Um, and that we really do make money doing it because I have to pay for my gluten free crackers for my son. You know what I mean? And those, it, like, yeah, they're more those expensive, are expensive than regular crackers. <laughs> so, but like, you know, I just I want him to be healthy, and he needs these sorts of things. And so I have this, I have this lifestyle that needs to be funded. Um, and I'm doing that in a way that I'm being engrossed in it. At least I mostly like it. Uh, because there's a lot of pl- things about it that I would like. Oh, really? I got to do that now? Okay, I got to do it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and I, I mean, I I think I agree with D H uh, H as he's called on Twitter. D H H, yeah. <clears throat> David Hanemeyer Hansen about that it is kind of a false dichotomy, and it's the kind of thing that I think a lot of um, VCs and MBA types, you know, like I said, like to kind of put down the lifestyle business because it's not serious or whatever. Yeah. But you know, the fact is, it's just for me again about making sure that all of the lifestyle things, like the fact that you know I want to be able to travel for five, six months out of the year and still work, yeah. I, I don't want the business to become so important that the culture of the company is like, well, you can't do that because yeah. because what we're working on is so important. Because I actually don't believe that you give up a whole lot when you're traveling and doing those things and working. I mean, there is some time constraint, as we found this year when you were visiting in yeah. Mexico and yeah. we were surfing a little some, more than some we were working. time constraint being... I'm a little too pina colada to think through uh, an email template right now. Exactly. <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. I mean, yeah, it, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm there for three months and it's just a second home. And that, I'm, I was there for three weeks. And it was just like, a, I kind of want to party. party time. Yeah, yeah exactly. But um, so, so maybe the argument is not so much lifestyle versus money or whatever. Sometimes I think the argument is more whether or not you raise investment money yeah. from outside. But and I, what constraints does that you, put on you? As you said it there, lifestyle versus money. I think that actually is, uh, or life versus money. Yeah, that is a, a, a an almost a more interesting question than than lifestyle business versus the startup or, or venture backed or whatever. Because lifestyle or life or you know happiness in some ways versus money is a real question. You know, like Paul Graham says about startups. Like the whole point of this thing is you do you do you know thirty years of work in three years. Right. 
And then you have your big, you get your big payday. That's the dream of the startup. That's why he does Y Combinator. That's why he, those guys, you know, they live, breathe, eat, and drink in the Y Combinator headquarters. And there's, right. there's no lifestyle. And, may, and maybe that's, maybe that's, that's what how, makes them happy. That's how they love it, right? Yeah. Like that, this is the most exciting video game they've ever played. Right. And I've been in that mode too. Yeah. And in some ways, Fizzle's sort of like that. But I also got a wife and a kid and a, and I like to go to Mexico with you for three weeks. You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. drink some pina coladas. Right. And maybe get, a handful of parasites, like just a royal <laughs> just a, flush. Well, like an amoeba and some kind of worm. But I like that. It's yeah. fun. And, and, and I like, why do I like that? I like that because of the outlook it gives me, not only on life, but also on business. You know what I mean? Like going down there and, uh, and being out of the, out of, I'm in the Bay Area. I just recently moved here from Portland. Right. right. And Portland is like, sure, wear some socks with Tevas. <laughs> sure there's nothing wrong with that like ride a two-story bike yeah it right yeah just do what what do you want to do we're a kilt here in the bay area i mean the reason why we moved out of here in the first place was like my wife was in real estate and she's like well i'd like to buy a home i've always dreamt of owning a home can we buy a home and i'm like not not here (laughs) and she's like i know not here huh and we just the lifestyle is so force so heavy the career, the money, the the here in the Bay Area. In the Bay Area. Yeah. It's so the the rush is so constant that we and it just felt alien. Yeah. So we went up to Portland because I like to wear socks with Tevas. Um and <laughs> and ride two story bikes. I like to wear socks with Birkin socks. I think that's how we met. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had a met at a Berkey Anonymous uh meeting. But but you know, and I really I really miss Portland for that reason because it, it changed my outlook in some ways. Because before I know it, I'm just caught up in the flow of the bustle of the, of the hey, that guy's driving an M5. I should get one of those. Right. Hey, this guy's wearing a suit. This guy, he's a blogger. He wore a suit to his thing. He must be making money. I should make more money. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, and all of a sudden, I'm thinking these stupid, dumb thoughts. Like we, we were talking about before about uh, uh, success for success's sake. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, we don't. That that's the that's losing to me. That that's the exciting thing is the like you know is the quote unquote life hacks or the things that are like you know the the VW Tiguan is eighty percent of 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 the Porsche Cayenne or whatever, right? Right. And I'm like, that's an interesting thing. I could get that badass car of Porsche for you know half the price. Those kinds of like little hacks. Those things are. Choosing life over money, so to speak, right? Well, or, to me, to me, not really, because that's an obsession with things. Still, that that little yeah. comment that you made, like I think a lot of people, maybe the argument for lifestyle business is really an anti-consumerist argument as well. In some, some ways, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't put them one to one, but I think there's something to be said for the, like these kind of. Yeah, I hate using the term. I hate that this is going to be the second time I've said this word in the podcast. But life hacky, you know what I mean? Because uh, the the point the point is I want to get as much life uh, I want to get as much happiness really out of life. There's an interesting article I found called um, what's it called here? It is called the big chill or sorry the medium chill. And here's a quote from it: The medium chill involves what economists call satisficing. Okay, abandoning the quest for the ideal in favor of the good enough. And this is an article on Grist or something. It'll be in the show notes where he's taught this, this uh, guy's talking about like uh, settling for good enough isn't settling for good enough. It's actually the way that scientifically we can prove most, most people are more, more happy. 
Yeah. You know, it's like this concept of which isn't which isn't anti-materialism, right? But it is an understanding of like, you know what life's about? Being happy. Here's some five, here's the 13 things we know about happiness. I'm going to chase that. And I think this is a guy who's actually I don't know if he was an entrepreneur or if he is just working at a corporation or something like that. Yeah. Because his whole goal is just to spend time with his kids and do the thing. But a very well. So you think that, do you think that lifestyle businesses and startups, you know, begin with different goals in mind? And like the lifestyle business, like you said, Corbett, was, you know how much money you need to live the certain lifestyle you want to live. And that's kind of your bar that you try to get to as opposed to startup, whereas like the bar is like the sky's the limit. Like you could go as far as you can. Well, go. I mean, so a startup is kind of a funny thing because the view from the venture capital side of the table is completely different than the view from the founder side of the table. Yeah. So the founders are essentially making a bet that they are going to take a 10% chance of hitting a home run and a 90% chance of basically failing as a startup. The venture capitalists are like making a bunch of these bets. The, the founder only has one shot, right? Or one shot mm-hmm. every few years. The VCs have dozens of them. And so they're, they average out. So ironically, they're not, tr- they're not going to hit a home run. They're going to hit a, you know, a couple of home runs and have a bunch of failures. And that averages out to be something that's kind of in the middle. So for the founder, yeah. I mean, I, I think the founder of a startup is aiming for status, success, you know, um, from their peers, like viewing them as being successful, money, and um, and maybe just they love technology and stuff so much that they're they want to be immersed with it. And a lot of these guys are in their you know they're young, yeah. right? So so yeah. maybe that has a factor as totally. well. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think again, to me, like I'm not saying that I don't want money, and I think that's what David. Heinemeyer yeah. Hansen was saying it's kind of a, a false dichotomy to say that a lifestyle business can't be a business that actually makes a lot of money because we see examples of them. Yeah. They're just less um, public about it because a startup is something that raises money. It has a whole lot of people involved. They issue press Gets releases. Headlines. They get he- yeah. yeah. And there's this whole culture of tech crunch and everything that like yeah. makes it seem like, oh my God, they raised $10 million. They're like so successful when they haven't returned a dime to investors or in their own pockets. It's all yeah. just money from outside. And like Paul Graham was saying in an article I was reading where, you know, the companies that they invest in is are worth about $10 billion, roughly. And uh, Airbnb and Dropbox account for 75% of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so it's like, and that's, but that's the thing. That's what startups are. Startup is the dream of being part of that 75, one of the two companies that are responsible for those 75%. Being one of, like an Instagram, being the billion dollar tech company. And that's the dream. And that's what's very sexy. And I think so, Caleb, to your question, I think you're right. There, the, I wouldn't, I'd say there's a, they're all businesses. These are all businesses. One of them wants to go fast track to big. And another one, the founder is more interested in, in just in not in not exiting. You know what I mean? I need to make money, like so. Us with Fizzle, we need to make money because I got to buy gluten free crackers for my kid, right? But we're not interested in a million dollar payday. You know what I mean? Or a billion dollar payday in in five years or two years or whatever, right? We want to grow this thing into a thing and run the thing. Why? Because we believe in the story that we're serving. We believe in the mission of helping the online entrepreneur. You know what I mean? And, and like I like I've keep saying it's like this is the 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 crew that i've sold out to for the next 10 years i want to because i and i don't i don't know all the answers but i can certainly 
help and i can and i can catalog those over the years and because the truth is there aren't that many answers you know what i mean it's really like we're someone's going to be successful tomorrow in a way that nobody's ever been successful before that's also it totally in line with every business principle about make something that people want and charge them something they're willing to pay for it you know what i mean so uh the point being as a founder or as founders we've started off with the perspective of well we want to build a business make money and and do something that we feel comfortable doing that that doesn't feel douchey that doesn't feel uh like we like who we are in this business a lot and we like the mission that we really believe in the mission that we're serving yeah you know um so for all of these reasons it's still a startup but we're not venture backed and we don't seek a uh any exit at this point so it's like our goal is uh maybe that makes us a lifestyle business um and to, to a lot of people, it would. But to others, it's, I mean, this is just a business. You know what I mean? I can't get out of my head this vision of like the village in like the Middle Ages. You know what I mean? Where there's like a cobblestoner and a uh, the cobblestoner, <laughs> cobblestoner <laughs> in the village back in the day. The cobblestoner's like, you need some rocks, man. <laughs> I can fix that shoe for you, dude. Oh man, you coming by the pub tonight, dude? This guy has got this loot. Awesome. <laughs> He's wild. It's just like a jam lute and flute band. It's sort of. I played one song. It lasted like 35 minutes. Dude, so, anyways, I got these cobblestones, man. You guys want some cobblestones? And there's the cobblestoner. There's the basket maker. There's the shepherd. There's the uh, the cobbler. There's all. They, they just, yeah. And it's the question of business is like, okay, you have to do something. Which one are you going to do? You know what I mean? It's like. This is this is what life was back in the day, and are those lifestyle businesses? I don't know. They probably. I don't think they are backed. I don't think those are lifestyle so, businesses. So, what do you think they are? Well, because, well, what, do you, what do you think a life? So, help me understand what is a lifestyle. Well, business? because for me, I'm not going to start a business. My lifestyle requires that I don't start a business that has a physical presence. Okay. Because I don't want to have to be there opening the shop up at 9 a.m. every day. Yeah. Serving you know people all day long. That's not. A lifestyle business to me yeah and i don't know maybe it would be for some people but that seems like a job to me well you could i i hear that i hear that i mean i don't know if there was any job back then that didn't i mean well you could be the the bard that travels from town to town that required i would certainly be the bard first but i of all. but i would agree <laughs> first of all but hold on i would certainly be the bard <laughs> caleb would be i think we're all in agreement in that caleb would totally be uh God, well, I think I'm imagining you as like a, a, a really tall, well-built shepherd. Like I just see you with the sure. shepherd crook thing. Yep. You know what I mean? Out there, and like Jill, that my first name does mean sheepdog. I mean, man. Well, it's am all I coming good? Full well, am go. I good or what? Yeah. <laughs> and then what would Corbett be? Uh, I'm imagining. I mean, I probably would have been a I goddamn. I think you'd be the son the of a wealthy mer- <laughs> um, well, a wealthy merchant. Oh, so my life in the Middle Ages would have been completely opposite of my current life, Randy. Uh, so, no, what would you? Yeah, I, I totally could. At least I could picture you if I was filming. If I was in, making a movie about this, you would be like a petulant little prince. Daddy, I want a better piano. I want a better piano, honey. There are four pianos in the world. I, have- I want a gold one. I have zero idea how to play that role, but I'll give it a shot. Yeah. No, what would you be, though? I don't know. In the Middle Ages, I mean, I think you bring up a good point, which is, I mean, life is different now. Yeah. We can we can operate entirely online. I think life is radically different now than it was just 10 years ago or yeah. 15 years ago. The fact that we can do what we do because the internet, 
because I mean, we're talking to Caleb right now and he's on video on your computer. I don't even know if Skype video even existed 10 years ago. I mean, if I'm the cobblestoner right now, I'm losing my mind, right? Yeah. <laughs> your mind is effectively blown. <laughs> I can't even work, man. I need a break. So you were saying earlier, Corbett, that raving, raising capital has consequences. What are some of those consequences? Well, I don't think that VCs would feel great about the CEO of their company traveling four or five months out of the year. You yeah. know what I mean? Because basically, you become you become an an investor and an employee in your company at the same time yeah. when you raise money. So you, the employee, has to work your ass off to return you, the investor, a bunch of money in X years yeah. time because there's a there's a defined endpoint for a mm-hmm. startup. Um, the other consequence, I mean, there are a bunch of consequences. I've told the story before in my last business, you know, I jumped into entrepreneurship, not really knowing what it was, but sort of having this vision that you tried to hit a home run and then eventually you, you know, live the life that you want to live. Um, and I also had this vision that, you know, you have a lot of control and feel great about what you're doing at the same time. But when I jumped into the the last business, you know, for the first year or so, it was like me and a co-founder and maybe another software developer kind of huddled in a room working on some software, kind of, you know, what you envision. Yeah. And that was pretty fun. We worked our asses off. We didn't, I definitely didn't take a break and I had a lot of anxiety over it. But then eventually, you know, after another year or so, we raised money. So the picture gets more and more clouded as you move along. It's you, a co-founder, then you have employees. Then you have a physical office that you have to go to. Then you have venture capitalists who um, meet with you on a regular basis, call to see how things are doing. Uh, then you have advisors, yeah. a board of advisors. You have a board of directors that you have to serve. All this stuff from all different directions, not just, you know, when you're just an employee, it's like you have one boss probably that you worry about. And that feels like a lot of weight. Yeah. When you add like all these people above you and below you and next to you that you have to answer to, I just ended up feeling like I had you know, a 10th, the control that I had when I was just an employee. Um, and I worked more hours. So it was like, wow, this really better be worth it in the end sure, because, yeah. because life is pretty shitty right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe that changes if you're working on something that you really love, but, um, you know, it, I feel, I feel like people get caught up in the startup game for the high of, being famous and rich and all that kind of stuff. And yep. that has to drive you. And for some people it does. Um, but I, I have a lot of friends who are in the startup world, some of whom are really, really successful, like multi hundred million dollar businesses. And they don't really have a life to speak of. Yeah. Their life for many, many years is running the startup. Some, some friends who started companies five or six years ago, I, I know that they're lucky to take two weeks of vacation a year. Yeah. So, and I think the question that you're that you asked yourself was, "Is this how I want my life to be?" Well, there's there's another nuance to it because you could say, "Is this how I want my life to be?" Assuming that you're going to be the successful startup person, yeah. Which, as I said, I mean, there's a very slim chance. I mean, the chance of just raising venture capital is like you know one hundredth of one percent or something. It's really really small. Yeah, the number of people that raise venture capital. Once you've done it before, I think it's easier the second time around. So maybe that's an option. Mm-hmm. But the question is, what's the chance, even if you do raise venture capital, that your startup is going to be a success? And I think it's like one out of ten yeah. that's that you know returns some actual money to the to the founders in the end. So it's, is it I wouldn't worth, be a surprise if it was that good. At, so is it odd. worth taking a one out of ten chance to give up 
three or four or five years of your life, um, you know, in the hopes that you're going to strike it big, you know? And I think, yeah, sure. If you're young and you have the ambition, do it, try it out, see how it goes. It's just for me, the second time around, it was like, okay, now I'm in my early thirties and, um, I know what that was like. Yeah. And we took this trip to Mexico and started meeting people who weren't rich. They weren't retired, but they had some way, somehow figured out a way to make their careers work around their lives. And that was like mind blowing to me. Cause I thought either you tried to like really quickly work your way up the corporate ladder yeah. so that you could, you know, be, be the top dog and maybe retire early or you were an entrepreneur and you slept under your desk and you tried to hit a home run so that yeah. then you could make millions and then do what you wanted. And I figured out finally that there's this in between. You can start a business that makes you a decent amount of money that allows you to live a great lifestyle. And maybe it'll be a big thing eventually. But even if it's not, at least right now, my life is effing awesome. Yeah. You know, I love it. Yeah. I love what I do. So I just, I think there's an in between. And I think to me, that's kind of what lifestyle business is. And I think there's also a misnomer that because it's a lifestyle business, you're not working as hard. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people, you see a lot of people who are workaholics and, they're so inefficient because once you get past a certain number of hours in a week, yeah. your creative energy is just gone. You can sit there and bang your head in front of the computer all you want, but nothing good is going to come out of it. Yeah. So why not get out and stretch your legs and relax and enjoy yourself and go surfing or whatever mm-hmm. and like recharge those creative juices and come back to it and hit it hard? Yeah. You know? And I think that's a, that's a great point, right? About <clears throat> these biz- the, the business that you're going to run how will you run it at your best? How you run that business best? Like, so looking at the business, not at your life, looking at the business um, and wondering, what is it? What does this look like if it's like when it's successful? Quick interruption here. I want to play you a clip from an interview we did at Fizzle with Jason Glaspie. He runs paleoplan.com, previously of bacon.com. And uh, this part that I'm sort of getting at, this thing I'm trying to say in the, in the conversation that we're having, He says this even better. I'll play it here. One thing that I think is really important is know why you're doing things. Um, I have, I had this really good friend who has this really great, had this big idea. And I'm like, you realize that if that actually takes off, you're going to be so sorry. (laughs) Because that, like, you know, you have a wife or she's a wife, your wife, Uh you have a husband, that means. Yeah. You have kids. Um, You're not trying to be a CEO of a 60-person company. Yeah. But that com- that idea successful is you being the CEO of a 60-person company. Yeah. Do you want that? Mm-hmm. And she was kind of like, oh, shit, no. Yeah. And she's like, that's, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of effort. Yeah. And I'm like, then pick an easy idea. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and are you doing this because you need to make more money? Or are you doing this because you have an itch you need to scratch? Mm-hmm. Because if it's just an itch you need to scratch, like, there's simple ways to scratch mm-hmm. that itch. Yeah. And if you just want to make more money, there's simple ways to make more money. Um, but you don't have to give up everything to follow this like really big idea. Yeah. And that really big idea is definitely a high risk stakes game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's going to take a ton of effort to maybe pay off. Mm. And if it does pay off, like I said, it might not be what you want. Yeah. So why are you doing this? I apologize for the poor audio there, but I think that the, the sentiment comes through regardless. And just asking that question of what does this business look like if it's successful? And does that look like how I want my life to look is so helpful in the context of this quote unquote lifestyle business conversation. Okay, let's get back into it. You know what this idea, this business, 
if this takes off or if this has just a little bit of success or, or the kind of success I want it to have, what does that look like? And how does my life, lifestyle need to support that? Um, in some ways, I like that question because, well, it's it's us, not like uh, not us versus them, but but like this concept. Here's here's an interesting quote from. Uh, oh, you're just full of them today. I'm full of full quotes. Of quotes. That's so prepared. <laughs> so my wife said, "God, you are awfully prepared." Um, where is it? This is from Stephen King at the beginning of The Gunslinger, the first book in the uh, Dark Tower series. Mm-hmm. It's a good series. Have you read it all? No, I'm not. I'm like partway through. Most people like stop in the middle my, of book two because it's really weird. For book one's pretty good. My wife was like yeah. addicted to those. Yeah. She tells me they were good. It's heavy. It's deep. So it's hard to follow if you don't just keep reading it each day. Yeah. Like if you come back to it, you're like, I have no exactly. idea. Exactly. <laughs> so the intro to this book, this is in the, uh, whatever, the foreword by him. And he wrote it like 30 years or 20 years or whatever after he had written the last book. <clears throat> um, it, he is really great. Like his book on writing is so awesome. For anybody looking to become a better writer, like every blogger out there or content creator, it is really great because he comes off sort of like I said about that Stephen Pressfield vibe about like he shows up with a cup of coffee in his underwear, smoking a cigarette and five o'clock shadow, just being like, don't work too hard. <laughs> and you're like, okay, yeah, okay, I won't do that. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm not going to work too hard. Whatever you um, say. He come, like Stephen King comes off with this like world weariness and this just like sense of like, yeah, this is lit, one of the most prolific writers. Yeah, of of our he, time. He did alone. almost lose his life at some point. Too, yeah, so that makes you a little. He talks a lot about aware. that in this intro. But the, so here's what he says. He says, um, and follow me with through this. I think novelists come in two types, and that includes the sort of fledgling novelist I was uh, by 1970. Those are uh, those who are bound for the more literary or quote serious side of the job. Examine every possible subject in light of this question. What would writing this sort of story mean to me? Uh, and then those whose destiny is to include the writing uh, of popular novels, so those who are going to be popular like instead, Stephen King, yeah. um, are apt to ask a very different question. That's this. What would writing this sort of story mean to others? And the serious novelist is looking for answers and keys to the self, and the, quote, popular novelist is looking for an audience. Both kinds of writers are equally selfish. I've known a good many, and I will set my watch and warrant upon it. This was just an in- interesting concept to me that, well, first of all, that both of them are, a sel- they're both extremely selfish, right? Um, in, a, in a good way. I mean, we're all, we're all sort of, listen, if you're writing something, you ha- there's ego involved, right? There, there's always going to be ego involved. Not just acknowledge that and move on. You know what I mean? Like we're sitting here on the podcast. We could be sitting here talking about how are we at all qualified to give anybody advice on this stuff besides the fact that we've actually done this stuff, right? Or we could talk about, you know, that that this is a selfish venture. But you know what? Everything's kind of, everything's, you know, having sex and it, you know, is a self, selfish venture. It always comes back to Pleasuring that. Pleasuring my wife <laughs> is a selfish venture in some sure. ways. Because it means, yeah. You're going to get it in return someday. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. You know, make some banana bread. You know what I mean? But so that was really interesting <laughs> to me. <laughs> I don't know. There's, I don't a leap, know. there's a leap there. I don't know what we're that just means. Gonna, we're just going to take it. <laughs> but um, I thought, so it was fascinating that that not, not only are both of these selfish, so like don't make a value decision on, based on one or the other because they, they both take work. They both take an intense amount of work. They're both a job, right? Um, but there are two very different avenues here. You know, between what is the kind of business that I want to run 
And what is the kind of, kind of like, and, and how would other people, how would this help other people? Or what would other people think of this? And I just think, to me, my question about value lands in there somewhere. You yeah. know, making something valuable. Yeah. Right? Um, but I think that's an interesting angle in on this lifestyle yeah. question as well. So maybe it's like, maybe the the not lifestyle business builder is like, how can I build something that's so awesome that I can retire and go surfing every day? Yeah. And the lifestyle business builder is like, how can I build something that lets me go surfing every day starting a month from now while I'm still building it? Yeah. And and maybe maybe a second part of that question is is about the cost. How can I make something that is so awesome I won't have to work uh, rego- ever again? Like regardless of the cost now. Yeah. Of the cost of yeah. the next five years or ten years right. or whatever, right? Right. Well, have you ever, have you ever heard the story of the Mexican I don't fisherman? Know, he's like a yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I have it up here. It's kind of long to read. You want to paraphrase yeah. it? You wanna, yeah, basically, like an executive is in. Wait, wait, hold on. You guys like both have the same Mexican fisherman parable in your head right now? Yeah, yeah exactly. How did it? this happen? No, I don't know. It? I don't uh, know. It's, it's good. This is. I've only read Old Men in the Sea once. Let me read it, and then you can decide if it's okay. If story it's, time if it's with worthy. Corbett Barr. <laughs> story time. Can you add some story music to this, please? <laughs> yes. All right. So an executive from America was standing at the pier of a Mexican village, taking a much-needed vacation. It was his first in more than 10 years. He noticed a small boat with just one fisherman had docked. Inside the boat were several large yellowfin tuna. The executive complimented the Mexican fisherman on the quality of his fish and asked how long it took to catch them. The Mexican replied, only a little while. The executive asked, why didn't you stay out longer and catch more fish? The Mexican said, I have enough to support my family for a little while. The executive then asked, but what do you do with the rest of your time? The Mexican fisherman said, I sleep late, fish a little. I play with my children. I take a siesta with my wife and stroll into the village each evening where I sip wine and play guitar with my amigos. I have a full and busy life. The executive, of course, scoffed. He said, well, I'm a Harvard MBA and I could help you. You should spend more time fishing and with the proceeds, buy a bigger boat with the proceeds. From the bigger boat, you could buy several boats and then eventually you would have a fleet of fishing boats. Instead of selling your catch to a middleman, you'd sell directly to the processor, eventually opening your own cannery. You would control the product processing and distribution, and then you would need to leave this small coastal fishing village and move to Mexico City, and then to LA and eventually to New York City, where you can run your expanding enterprise. The Mexican fisherman then asked, but how long will this take? And the American said, well, probably 15 to 20 years. And then the Mexican said, but then what? The American laughed and said, well, that's the best part. When the time is right, you would announce an IPO, sell your company stock to the public, and become very rich. You would make millions. Mexican said, millions? And then what? The American said, well, then you would retire. You would move to a small coastal fishing village where you would sleep late, fish a little, play with your kids, take a siesta with your wife, stroll to the village in the evenings where you could sip wine and play your guitar with your amigos. I love how pejorative this is to Mexican culture. <laughs> well, you're a Mexican. You must just want us to play with your amigos. Whatever you call them, your pals. You have a guitar? See. See, yo tengo una guitarra. No, but I, I mean, this is, um, this to me is almost exactly what the question of a lifestyle business is. I mean, I think you can substitute some of it. I mean, I think we, a lot of us feel like we have needs 
beyond just sipping wine and playing with our amigos. <laughs> but but um, <laughs> we talked about this before. It's like, really, like, what's the point of life? You know, and, and um, I like to work and enjoy my work, but at the same time, I really like to hang out with my friends. And I feel like a lot of people um, substitute all of that work apparatus, the startup stuff, becoming obsessed with it for, you know, doing what they probably really would enjoy in life because they get addicted to it. And the, and the, the ironic part is for a lot of startup founders, once they do all this stuff and they, you know, have the IPO and they sell and whatever, or maybe not if they IPO, but just they have a success on their hands, then what do they do next? Well, they don't know what to do next because they haven't lived before, so they end up doing the same thing over well, and over. Well, that's also... You know, they just start another one. But that's like a little... That's a little... Uh, <sighs> That's making a parable of a real person's life, where just like this is making a parable of a uh, a way of doing business. I mean, it's he's spending the fisherman spending plenty of time away from his family. You know what I mean? It's still taking work, right? It's not a it, it, it just like you know go if you want to get back in the biblical concept of it. I mean, the earth stop. You know, pig like you remember the Simpsons did a like a, a Garden of Eden thing, and this pig walked up to Marge and Homer and just went like, "You want some bacon?" <laughs> like lifted up his side, <laughs> nice. and like, but you know, uh, in the way that some of the world would believe, like that's there was Garden of Eden where like you didn't have to work. I mean, the food was just there. Yeah, the pig would walk up and present itself to you, and you just reach in and pull out a, a ham sandwich. Um, <laughs> and then, but then like now it's mm. like. You know, uh, there's this con. Then, then it goes away, right? For whatever reason, it all goes away, and now you've got to put a seed in the ground and wait for it to grow. And it's got to rain, and you got to do all this work just to get your crop, right? Or you got to hunt the animals, or do what, right? There's all this work that needs to be done, and so the the fisherman is just more in tune with the natural flow of things. It's still very much work. I mean, he's still gone bright and early in the morning going and doing a bunch of work. So this is a fable, uh, but I, I think what I resonate with, and what we all resonate with, is like is that closeness to a more natural rhythm of life in some ways. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, bigger is not always better. And, and so what's interesting is if this guy's mission, if this guy was freeing slaves, if this Mexican guy was like, well, what's your job? Well, I free slaves just a little bit of the time uh, on the weekends, you know, or whatever, whenever I free slaves, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time away from my right. wife and kids, but I'm going to free some slaves. And then this guy came up and said, like, we can take this national. Yeah. It's going to take a ton of work and you will not, you will, you'll be away from your family for a lot of it, but we can free all the slaves. Yep. He would do it. Right. Because it's a mission. You know what I mean? So that's like, yeah, that brings up a question I was going to ask. Are there certain businesses or ideas or, you know, charities and stuff that need to be startups need to be non-lifestyle businesses this is what i call a, a missional business or whatever right um maybe that's a carrier carry over too much from my jesus days or whatever but the concept being like in fizzle like my the way i got to here it, via existential crisis is like i chose this crew this online entrepreneur as like these are the people i'm going to serve for the next 10 years which means well, i'm not the expert in it by any means but I know I can I can become one and I can at least be helpful in it. I think this is a mission to me mm-hmm. or this has become a mission to me. Yep. So uh, I'm willing, you know, to me, this is, you know, maybe you could, you could easily poke fun at me and it's like, really? Helping, the, helping, you know, scruffy hipsters with MacBook Airs start blogs is like freeing the slaves to you? Okay, maybe you should read some more books. 
But but to me, it really is that because I think we can we can help people build businesses that are good, capital G and true, capital T, instead of douchey taking advantage of people's weaknesses and and crushing the souls of old like televangelist businesses. Right. You know what I mean? That's like so in some ways that's my and also as an entrepreneur, for lack of a better term, this is the best way I know to get my dick hard. Pardon the French. But this <laughs> there is There was a lot of French there. This is this is the autonomy, the uh, the uh, uh, the creativity, the way that I can make "quote unquote" art as well as "quote unquote" business. You know, yeah. all of this. This is what I was made for. I love this. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and but I I think that's you know you can do whatever you want and still enjoy your life and have yeah. time for your family. Yeah, there's no reason you can't have a big impact on the world and but do that, all that. Stuff. That's why I'm saying making another category for lifestyle business, well, then we might as well make another category for missional business and we might as well make another category for pet-based business or whatever. And the fact is there's overlap between all of them. There totally is. And uh, we all want to be in a, you know, we all want to be fighting for something. We we want to be liberating the slaves. but And at the same time, be able to, yeah, like I'll go with my kid to the the Giants game. And and obviously I have my preferences in terms of how I run a business, but, uh, you know, I, I get that, Different people have different ideas of what they want from their lives, and yeah. that's cool. What I would want everyone to do, though, is before they jump in and assume all of this stuff is rote, you know, yeah. or is a given, you know, this is how you run a startup, or this is how you climb the corporate ladder, or whatever. Take none of that for granted, yeah, and go on a walkabout, and <laughs> which is what you did, which is what I did, because you you got essentially bought out from your business, and you had some things you could go. Uh, you had some money and some time, and you're like, you know what, wife, let's take the Subaru and let's drive through Mexico. And that's where you had your epiphany. That was your walkabout, where you're like, you know what, changing or traveling changes me. I see the world differently. I like that. You know what, the way these people live is intriguing to me. You know, it's almost, uh, it's attractive, right? Yeah. And I would like to be able to have, because what it is is freedom. You don't like... It's not that you you started this business so you could travel. You started this business so you could have freedom, right? And whatever that looks like this year versus last year, right? Yep. Or the next year. Um, and I think that's what most of us are hungry for. We we'd hate that feeling of like of just being chained to the desk at work. Yeah, and I had just like I started working. Uh, literally, I started working when I was eighteen, full time. Yeah. The summer before college, and I worked my way through college. I worked forty hours a week all the way through college. So every day from eighteen until. 32 or something. Yeah. I went from one job to the next without ever really contemplating what I wanted from my life and my career. And I think that's pretty normal. Yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, they, they never sit back and think about like, what is this all about? You just assume that, you know what? I need to get a good job. Yeah. Quotation marks or capital G, however you want to say it, Chase, (laughs) a good job. And well, good, good job, and good in quotation marks means like a <laughs> two different things. Oh, sure, like you're making like sort of like the yeah, yeah, the yeah. signal. Yeah, you know? no, what I mean is like a good job that your parents think is a good job, yeah. or that society so thinks that would is a good be job. parentheses. That yeah, would be air quotes. Yeah, air quotes. Um, so you get a good job, and then you jump from one to the next, and you're basically pursuing status and money and opportunity yeah. without thinking like, what do I actually enjoy first of all, yeah. and how could I live in a way that to me really that's the 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 sub- this um, not subjective. The uh, what does it mean to underride a system? Uh, what's the word for that? Not subjective, but subversive. Oh, that's a subversive thing about these questions about mm. lifestyle business, which is why I I like them. You know what I mean? I wouldn't say that I run a lifestyle or I'm a part of a lifestyle business because I don't 
I don't, I don't know if I know what that means, but I like the questions it forces us to ask. What do you enjoy, yeah. right? Because chasing success and doing the thing you're supposed to do for the sake of doing the thing you're supposed to do and the, and the chasing of success is ultimately the kind of thing you wake up from at 55. And or like, like, like those, those uh, the regrets. regrets of the dying, yeah. right? You know, I wish I would have allowed myself to be happier. Yeah. You know? It's like, I mean, it's like being part of the Matrix. <laughs> I know I'm eating a steak, but I'm not eating a steak. Exactly. Steakmedia.com. <laughs> We're going to have like a whole slew of inside jokes. <laughs> of random.com. I love, I love the four people, uh, the four listeners who, who got that. Yeah. I think that's great. Thank you, listener. I ho- hopefully somebody bought it by now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, one, one thing that I found uh, about this lifestyle thing, that in some ways it's a fable as well or a parable, um, but I felt like it was uh, a good way of saying it. It's from the CEO of Coca-Cola, and he said this recently. Imagine life as a game in which you are juggling some five balls in the air, okay? You name them work, family, health, friends, and spirit, and you're keeping all of these in the air, okay? And you will soon understand that the work one is actually made out of rubber. If you drop it, it'll bounce back, okay? But all of the others, the family, health, friends, and spirit are made of glass. If you drop one of these, they will be irrevocably scuffed, marked, nicked, damaged, or even shattered. Okay, They will never be the same. And you must understand this. This is the truth about life and strive for it. And I don't know what he means exactly about by strive for it, but maybe we're all figuring that out with our own lives. But I like this as a little parable for that. Like realizing, you know what? In my experience, I realized, I've totally experienced that. That work is the one thing that will bounce back. You know what I mean? When I was at a job... Uh, you know, as a creative director type uh, project manager at an at an agency in Portland, um, and they 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 effectively fired me two weeks before my son was born. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> my son is two weeks away. You know what I mean? I'm literally watching the dreams of my life crumble. Like I realize now I'll never get a motorcycle because I have a newborn coming. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm still working on rectifying that because that would help coming over here, by the way. Um, traveling I want you riding a motorcycle. Across the Bay Bridge. But, but you know, not only was I dealing with the stress and strain of, of my young bride and, and labor and all this other stuff, yep. um, but then, the, then like, oh, yeah, hey, that thing you've been using to pay the bills, you know how you like have money coming? Yeah. Like that's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Guess what? It was fine. I took an appointment for one week yeah. before I had plenty of work coming in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Doing doing some side project stuff. Work is totally the rubber ball. And so the question really is... But we treat it like the glass one. That's the Everybody thing. treats it like whatever work says I got to do, I got to do it. Because culturally, and I think like to your point, like culturally, like when, I, when my dad asks some, one of my friends, like when he's try, my dad's trying to get somebody, get to know somebody like that I know, my, one of my friends. He'll say, what do you do, right? right. That, it carries a lot of weight for him. Why? Because he's, he's that kind of, I mean, to be honest, that carries a lot of weight for me too. What I really want someone to say is like, I'm freeing the slaves. You know what I mean? What do you, what do, you do? Like, what do you do for, to make money? I want them to say something that they care a lot about. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and oftentimes it comes, it, you know, it depends. If you're in the marina, they all, you're like, I work, I'm a sales guy at a tech firm. You know, if you're yeah. down in the mission, they're like, they're equally reproachable. They're like, I don't know, I make art out of boogers and, and like I fart professionally on an internet website. You know what I mean? So it, it, like they're all just as silly as anything else. But guess recollecting my thoughts, you're exactly right. 
we treat the work one like it's made of glass too. But the truth is, when, we, when you do that, you're really in risk of, of letting all the others fall. Because when you get precious about work, and part of me feels like lifestyle business is a part of getting precious because it's just swinging in the opposite way. You know what I mean? But, um, or thinking too hard about it. The point being, though, that question, what do you enjoy? What do you like? I, was, I had to buy a present for my wife recently. Mother's Day is coming up. You know what? I, I, you know what? One of my biggest tip and trick about this is, is well, like there was a, a free, an episode of Freakonomics where they're like, if you want to get someone a gift that they're not going to forget, get them a good gift. Ask yourself, who is this person to you? What are they like to you? What do you know that they really enjoy? What 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 do they like? What's this? What do you think this person is like? And get them something that rem, that, that you know says that to them. Whether it's a a piece of art or a crayon or, or some you know a movie or whatever you know. You're, to me. You're, so whatever, I had to ask these questions of myself about yeah. my wife. You know, this woman who I'm so close to, I could barely even see half the time, right? Um, because it's just, we're the pervasive experience, you know, presence in each other's lives. And it was a hard question to answer. Do you know what I mean? Like, what does she like? You know, she likes, and I've since done a lot of work and figured some good stuff out, you know? But this is my wife, when with every day, that should be an easy question to answer. It's actually been harder. Now it'll be easier next time because I captured my thoughts in Evernote. Thank you very much. Good job. But that, like asking that of yourself, yeah, might even be harder. No, and that's and that's that's what I that's what I that's what I talk about when I tell the story of the sabbatical that I took. It's like after a decade plus of work, you don't know who you are anymore. You don't know what you enjoy yeah. and what's important to you and yeah. what you're capable of because you've been an employee. Yeah. You've been some you, like the majority of your waking hours have been spent serving someone else. Yeah. And um, you have to take a step back and ask those questions if you really want to get your life back on track. Okay, let's uh, we've got time for one question. Caleb, we, do you got a question for us? Yeah, so we got a question here from Darlene, who's one of our star fizzlers. She asks, how do you balance it all? If you're still working a job, how do you handle dueling it all and not going crazy? Right now I'm juggling a job at 20 hours a week, teaching 12 hours a week two to four hours of tutoring, four to five hours of freelance retouching for another photographer, and then also writing two blog posts and somehow finding time to work on my ebook. Does everyone transitioning go through this? Does it get better? And how do you handle it until it does? Oh, man. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff. You just made me tired, Darlene, just listening to that list. Poor girl. That is a lot of stuff. Come on, Darlene. What Whatever happened to you, the you time? You need some you time, girlfriend. <laughs> totally. Uh, you know, how do you balance, how do you, as Caleb would say, how do you balance it all? How do you balance it all? <laughs> how do you balance it all? It's a good question. Basically, what I hope for you, Darlene, is you balance it all by getting rid of about 85% of the other crap that you're doing or being able to. I mean, to me, that's, that feels like the, that's the goal for my life is to, or that's been my goal to, you know, be able to make my whole, my whole gluten-free cracker income on, on one thing that I really care a lot about, yeah, and have time to do any other you know things that bring me joy. You know, if there's another project that I want to do out of the out of the joy of it, uh, or because it would feel real great to ship that, you know, even if it might suck in the meantime, right? Yep. All this other stuff, uh, but but you know, the law of the jungle is such that sometimes we got to do a lot more than we want to to make ends meet and do this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah and all those things seem to be paying her. Yeah. You know, maybe take away the blog posts aren't directly paying her every time, but a lot of those things are paying clients or jobs. And I bet if you'd ask her, she wishes she could just do the blog posts 
you know, and, and, and yeah. only that, and build an online presence and do the passive income thing. Um, uh, l- let me give you two sort of like tactical things that, that you can do, Darlene. Um, the first is, you know, we all have um, to-do lists, and they're really easy to yeah. grow and to add to. I think you should also try having a stop-doing list. And the stop-doing list is a list of top priorities of things that you currently do on a regular basis that you know are low value or that you are obligated to because you said yes to something but that you probably shouldn't have. And you should keep some things at the top of that list that are targets to stop doing altogether and make a plan for how you're going to stop doing those things. In some cases you can just stop doing them because they're, you know, you know, it's it's yeah. a discretionary thing and you don't need to do it. But that's a great way to move forward towards doing yeah. what you want to be doing and and stop doing what you don't want to do or shouldn't be doing. Second thing um is that if you think about the other things that you're doing right now that do earn you money, like your side job and teaching and things like that, if those aren't in your ideal one to three year picture of what you want to be doing for yourself, then you need to slowly carve out time from those things and treat yourself as a client. So let's say right now, Darlene, you mentioned you're teaching 12 hours and you're doing a job 20 hours. Well, you need to figure out a way to carve out four more of those hours and sell those hours to yourself as a client of your own business because over time that's going to pay off and you just need to chip away at it little by little um, and figure out ways to sort of carve that time out. Yeah, and I mean, if all of these things are exciting and joyful for you to, to be doing, then then you have a different question, right? You know what I mean? If all of these are like, no, this is exactly where I want to be. I just don't know how you guys get it all done. I, I, I'm I'm dealing with all this stuff, and and I love it all. Well, then it's like, well, then you're in a great you're in a great spot, and you're gonna you you be careful of burnout. You know what I mean? Be careful of all the dangers of where you are. But if you're like, if you're like, oh, I really wish I could get up on this teaching job because I just want to focus on the blog, or I wish I could get rid of this, you know, touching up photos for another photographer thing, but I need the money, but I, I wish I could get rid of, you know, then you, you got, you know, knowing of, knowing what you want, what you're, knowing what you want, I won't even call them goals, but just like, hey, I would like this to be the case. I don't do any touch-up work for anybody. I don't work for anybody but myself. I do these tours. I know you yeah. do the photography tours, and I do my teaching, and I do the blog, because those all funnel into each other and help me make all the, you know, if you just have that, go, that not, I won't even call them goals, <laughs> if you have that picture in your head, if you know where you want to go, then you're like, all right, how much money do I need from those three things to be able to do that, mm-hmm. number one? And then, and and what do you, when's my timeline that I think I could possibly do that in? Mm-hmm. Bring the revenue of those up to that level, and then taking kind of Corbett's hard, hard advice on on like yeah, so start carving away time from those other things, even though there's revenue, there's income, safety re- income associated with it. You know what I mean? To go out on a leap and, and put yourself out there and do this other stuff to try to increase your your income over there, so that you can hopefully you know. Into into the eons, have that that thing perpetually creating value for other people. You know, I and mean, my answer would be that if you like all these things, try to batch them whenever possible. Do all your editing in one time of the week. Do all of your tutoring in another day. Like, so you don't have to waste all that energy switching between yeah. seven or eight different kinds of projects. Yeah, totally. And for for anybody out there who has a similar sort of, you know, Caleb or Corbett, your your advice on on having a, a, a don't do list or something like that. Any, any fizzlers who, who any fizzler who's taken the, my productivity course, you yep. know, within there, the first thing they're going to think about is the AAAC list, Yep. Mm-hmm. which if you are a fizzler, you got to go do that exercise and you got to do the thing because 
there's a whole and you can go find the thread in the forum of people just being like you son of a bitch <laughs> you know what i mean because it's a it's an intense like it really forces this question of priority on you and that is what a guy like a zig ziglar or a, a tony robbins or any of any people who just make a living talking about who made success out of talking about being successful right anybody but all the big guys like everybody says you know it's focus and dedication that that are the two prime things for success you know what i mean in some ways and i don't know about the prime things for success but i do know that when you do get focus and then dedication to you can focus on that one thing and dedicate yourself to it now you've got a really sharp knife to cut some stuff up with mm-hmm. you know what i mean and and that's when things get scary hairy and and pretty much inc- it can be incredible you know what i mean so um so yeah darlene hopefully hope, hope that answers your question let us know. And, uh, and and Darlene's dedicated, that's for sure. So she is. Well, just a little bit more focused and she's going to take over the she, world. She's nothing if not constantly doing something. That's right. She's always everywhere. All right. I have I have been Chase Wardman-Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr. I'm Caleb Logic. Thank you, guys. Uh, thank you. Hey, will you be, be honest? I was uh, I listened to a thing today. Uh-huh. It reminded me. Like the scarcest resource in, in the world and also America. Is cubic zirconia? podcasts no podcasts neither actually uh, surprisingly <laughs> neither of those okay uh it's attention oh. oh well we could work our asses off and never put another minute back in a busy mother's life or a busy entrepreneur's life right sure so we want to say thank you to our listeners right now because we know you know you're never gonna get this hour back and I just even if you try. And to be honest, though, I, I I think it's it's a great hour to have spent. Hopefully, someone's got some handholds to think about. What do I enjoy? Or yeah. What does my spouse enjoy? Or what are they like to me? And how much control do I want my career and work to have over my life? Which ball is rubber? <laughs> Which one is glass? I like. That. <laughs> I like that you subtly made it about two balls. <laughs> I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. <laughs> and I've been Corbett Barr. Caleb Logic. See you guys. <laughs> keep your keep your balls rubber or glass. Or no keep your balls separated. Separate your balls. What a great conversation. I hope you enjoyed that as, as much as I did. I feel like it is a, it's a big question and it, and it can really change how you look at what it means to be, you know, capital W wealthy or capital R rich or capital H happy or something like that. All these capitals. If you'd like us to answer your question, head on over to fizzleshow.com, F-I-Z-Z-L-E show.com, where you'll find all the info that you'll need on the show, how to ask questions, all that sort of stuff. Um, Or if you could, please leave us an honest rating in iTunes and include your question right there. We uh, we have, we look at that all the time, and it doesn't it doesn't cost you much to do it, and it means the world to us because it tells iTunes that you want to hear more of this kind of stuff. So simply search iTunes for the Fizzle Show, or even just Fizzle, and click write a review. There's uh, there's some good ones in there. We're really stoked to to read those and see new ones pop in and everything. And they're funny. Some of them are really funny. We, we love it when you make us laugh. All right, people, find what you care about. Take care about it, serve hard, and dig in, and uh, tocar la guitarra. Thanks, guys. <laughs>